I'm James Sykes, CEO, President, Director of Baseload Energy Corp. We just completed 7,500 meters diamond drilling on our hook project into our Accio near-surface uranium zone. Very excited about the results, and I'm here to discuss more of it with our host, Merlin. James, thank you very much for the introduction. Um, I have to say you're about the only uranium company I've spoken to this week who's not in London uh, for, the, for the WNA symposium. Uh, did you just not fancy it or were they life flights too expensive you know what was the what was the reason for not being there i like my backdrop better than london so decided to stay home now realistically i i've been to a couple of uranium conferences earlier earlier this year and i didn't think the narrative was going to change as everything i've been reading since uh, you know everything was everything's so positive on the nuclear front that i really didn't think i was going to learn more and meet any new additional people that, that I would need to at WNA this year. Uh, again, the previous conferences earlier this year were, were absolutely fantastic. Uh, made some right connections and just, yeah, I was happy happy to sit this um, one out. The The market's been pretty positive. I mean, the, when you look at the news flow in terms of the demand projections, the kind of the, the language around nuclear uh, seems to be getting more mainstream traction than it has, but it hasn't necessarily kind of filtered through into the baseload share price um you, you know you, you've been active with exploration but the share price has been down a bit have you, have you had more telephone calls you know what's the what's the kind of the marketing side of things and I, I know let's get into the the exploration in a second but just since we're kind of talking on the macro what, what's it felt like in terms of the level of interest um in baseload and the, and the marketing side of things interest has certainly picked up in the past couple of weeks there's been a lot of interest non-stop for baseload ever since the Accio discovery. A lot of people like what, what we have going for us. But yeah, the, the past few weeks, the phones have been ringing, emails have been coming in quite frequently, meetings are being set up. So there's definitely a lot more interest now in the uranium space than I would have said in the past at least 12 months. And um, th that is uh, interest in the uranium s space kind of generally, but you've also you've put out two kind of um, drill releases on the exploration avenues in, in in August. Yes, updating with drill results plus uh, end of the drill season, so finalization of everything. Had good results the entire way. We're very happy. More near surface uranium mineralization. That's that's key. That's absolutely phenomenal. We're very happy with that. But now we need to go back and and start identifying more of that mineralization in the area. You haven't had actual uranium results back yet. You'd, you're, you'd, you'd just been going on CPS counts, counts per second, which is kind of an indicator of uranium activity. Yep. Yeah, exactly. We know we know from mineralogical studies and from previous results that when we see high CPS values, we know that we're going to have uranium mineralization, not thorium or anything like that. And basically, the way we've reported things with the CPS and... And with the U308, um, with the U308 results from last year, we can actually do a pretty good, pretty good one-to-one -one comparison. So when we see certain CPS over certain intervals, we get a good indication they're going to be good results. I, I, that may be lost on the market until assay results come out, but we're very happy with everything we've done this year. I think you, in one of your news releases, you used the highest CPS count. You the phrase, you know, this is the highest CPS count that we've seen on the on the Accio or the Hook project um, today. Yes, that was called 102. Um, so, well, let's. Can you just kind of describe to me in simple terms um, when the drilling started, what you had before you started the drilling, and what you're hoping to prove up with the drilling? We had about 20, 25,000 meters into Accio 
in 80 drill holes before we started this year and we started in June. We had a model in place that kind of defined demineralization based on the amount of drilling that we did. And we came in with the intention to do some more infill and really trying to identify any extension that was possible along the, the boundaries that we had modeled. That was the, the name of the game right from day one. So very successful in that we have, uh, we've grown more mineralization in areas that were modeled as thinner intervals. So now we see some some thicker intervals within within the pods that we have modeled. Okay. Some of the pods, we we didn't hit the thickness that we would have thought of at the edges of these things, which is fine. But overall, there has definitely been growth. We've seen we've seen extension of results on a couple of the pods, most notably pod seven, which is our furthest to the west. We've extended that at depth. We've extended it along strike to the north, at least a hundred meters. And now that we are drilling that pod to the west, because previously last year we were drilling it uh, to the east, so we we're almost drilling on uh, along dip of it. But now that we're cross cutting the dip, we're getting a better idea that that pod is thicker than originally modeled. But that also means that it is still open to the south, where we've never drilled it, following it, um, following it westward or with, with Western drilling. Lots lots of room potential. When when we spoke last, you talked about some of these pods being very high grade and can, you can add pounds quickly. I mean, I think you gave some examples from Rabbit Lake where in a very small geographic or geometric space, space there was a kind of a 50 million pounds of uranium. You also spoke about trying to kind of chasing down that corridor to your neighbor's um, concession area. Is, is pod seven in, in, is part of that hunt for those kind of high-grade pods? Yes, um, um, absolutely, yes. And seeing the results from, from hole 102, where we do have uh, our highest, some of our highest radioactivity results that we've ever encountered, we do believe that there is potential for, for higher-grade pods to occur within the whole Accio GMZ system. Uh, I'll also note that uh, 92E, on their last press release of, of results, they also had their, their, highest, their highest grades in a single sample about 9% over half a meter. So we know that the high grade does occur along this trend. Okay. You also spoke about, uh, sorry, is pod seven one of those potential high grade pods? Yes, and that, the drilling has identified that this year. So again, as we were, as we were pod seven some, angled something like this. As we were drilling last year, we were drilling along the same direction. So we were drilling this way and then this way. But now that we're drilling across strike a bit, we're seeing wider zones, but now we're also intersecting those higher grade lenses within that zone. Okay. So we're now we're, the plan is to go back next year and start identifying more of that high grade as we were pretty confident that we missed it last year. It's been a very tricky structural play at Accio. It's thrown us for many loops and I think we're on our fourth or fifth iteration of a structural model. <laughs> but it's getting tighter every time that we put it together. So that's um, great. Understanding the structure helps you understand the orientation of your drilling so you can um, get more orthogonal to the main planes of mineralization or at least, um, if or you can um, design a drill program to pick up multiple planes of mineralization. So um, it, it does, it, does that what it feels? Is, is it going to, are we looking at kind of little pipes and pods and lenses of mineralization as, as kind of the, 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 the ultimate shape? That's what it looks like of, for now, yes. It, it definitely... I, I, there, there's a potential for a, a larger bulk system. 
So if people have gone to our website and they've seen our, our model, I will note that that is a, a model that is based on what we felt very confident tying in. There's a lot of mineralization in between those pods that are not connected to anything. So with this drilling that we've just completed, we, we feel more comfortable that we can start connecting more mineralization and showing more pods that are available. But yeah, as, as the system as a whole, mostly it is, it is these, these um, structurally controlled sheets or, or pipes, however you want to call them. But there is mineralization in between some of those. So there, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that we need to consider. Um, when I hear structurally controlled pods and sheets, I, I immediately think of gold uh, mineralization and a relatively high uh, uh, amount of drill meters required and a close drill spacing to pull these things into a resource category. Is, is, is that a similar feature of um, Accio? Yep. I, I would agree with that completely. With the, with the infill drilling we did this year, the intention was to get drill hole pierce points on a 32 meter spacing. So a lot of our drill colors are actually 25 meters, 25 meters apart. But when you throw in the angles, you get that extra seven meters. So we do have much tighter drill hole control. And I, will you have to, I know, have to I, go tighter we than that? About, sorry, we were talking about Rabbit Lake earlier, and I'll know that Rabbit Lake was drilled on 12 and a half meter centers. So yeah, I mean, are you going to need to go to that kind of um, density, drill density? That's part of the assessment that we will be doing this year. Okay. In one of your news releases, you talk about there being two shallow zones of mineralization, kind of one from 32 meters below surface and one from 37 meters below surface. Um, could you tell me a bit more about what that means? It's the same zone, though just two different holes within the same zone. But those are coming from pod seven. So pod one from last year was was where we're intersecting mineralization around 25, 28 meters beneath the surface. Pod seven is about 50 meters, 60 meters west of west of pod one. And now that we're seeing mineralization start at that overburden contact again, that's that's absolutely phenomenal. We knew it was close. We knew that there is mineralization pretty close to that overburden contact, but now having confirmed and seeing higher radioactivity results within this area, we we feel more confident that there's there's more mineralization to be found at that contact. But as we've been saying about Accio, as Baselode's been saying about Accio for quite a while now, we do think this has open pit potential. So when you get to the when you have the idea that you scrape off the overburden you've got mineralization sitting right there in pod one that is ready to be extracted immediately. Now you've got mineralization in pod seven at that same, you know, at that same depth horizon. So you've got two zones of mineralization that can be extracted immediately. And it just adds, it adds to the whole potential value of, of bringing Accio forward. You put in 30 holes, so you drill 36 holes for your um, 7,500 meters. 30 of those were on Accio itself, which is what we've just been describing, kind of the the um, the extensions, the infill, the testing of these these pods. Um, you also drilled five holes in a target called Mirror. So you put in about 1,145 meters there. Tell me a bit, bit more about Mirror, please. Mirror is just that. It is a... The, the idea behind Mirror is that it is a mirror image of Accio. We know that Accio is hosted on a fold system that that kind of wraps down to sin form. So it's a U-shaped fold. We're seeing Accio on this end. So the idea is that do we have the same structural controls and mineralization potential over on this side of things? So that was, that was the whole purpose behind mirror drilling. 
and we drilled five holes because the alteration system was so huge. In the first hole in the area, we hit mineralization. In the third hole in the area, we hit mineralization up dip from that. So, and, and associated with some very nice alteration. So we kind of figure that there's, there's definitely potential there. The fluids have moved through this area and it is a large, robust system of, of fluid movement. And that's, those are the type of systems that you want to see. Having mineralization to follow up on as well is a great pathfinder because the best way to find uranium is to follow uranium. So just because we're seeing, you know, we're, we're seeing little snippets of mineralization here. And again, I've, I've seen other projects where you can follow these things to depth and lo and behold, you can have these massive blowouts. And that's the potential that exists at Mir. That's one of the things we've been discussing about Accio is that there's a lot of the Accio drilling we've done has all been down to about 200 meters beneath the surface. We know we've got mineralization three, beneath 300 meters uh, from the surface. We've never followed, followed that up because we've been focused on the, the low-hanging fruit mostly. So there's depth potential. Because of a, a deep drill hole that got down there. Yes. That was, that was actually our first drill hole in the entire system, hole one, that hit, that hit the deepest mineralization. But we wanted to keep everything shallow because that's the whole Athabasca 2.0. That's what's going to move things forward. But if we can start finding some deeper roots, whether it's at Accio or now even at Mirror, that just blows everything right up. Because if you, if, if you can have a starter open pit in the area and then just you've got your decline axis from that point forward, if you've got something like a, like a Rabbit Lake Eagle Point system combined, and that's you know, Rabbit Lake Eagle Point, they produced over 200 million pounds. Great system. What, what, where do you go next on Mirror? I mean, you say you kind of follow the mineralization down, but are there any other techniques that you can use? Is, is there any kind of um, physical technique that can help? Are you using um, geochemistry? Is it just geological model, model and drill? Geological modeling, geochemistry, and then drill. Unfortunately, it, we're in a very weird uh, geophysical anomaly that the gravity would the gravity is basically washed out in the area, that it's all the same gravity feature. Our magnetics is almost the same way, and there's no EM in the area to really focus on. So we figure that that's, this is where structure comes in. This is where our geologists get to have a field day and come up with these interesting ideas, such as mirror, which is all based on based on the geological modeling that we did for Accio. So we knew that it was a sin form, and it just makes sense that if you've got structure on one side, you can have structure on the other side of a fold nose. You can have structure, you can have structures, mineralized structures on the fold hinge as well, which we've never tested. So there's lots of possibilities. What's the work plan going forward? So you know, you're wrapping up your drill. You, you, have you stopped drilling? Um, you, um, so you stopped drilling. What happens now? We've stopped drilling. We've even demobilized our camp completely. It was a rental, and that was part of the reason for, for stopping operations early. We want to preserve some of the capital. Uh, we didn't want it to go into, into continuing to fund our, our logistics situation. We'd rather put the money into the ground. So we do have a camp that we'll be able to put up next year. And again, that's still going to be cost-saving for next year, bringing our all-in drill dollar down. So that now we do have a better scenario to drill deeper holes, which is where funds will need to be allocated. But yeah, in the meantime, it's going to be review all the results, start looking at, wait for the assays to come in, start looking at all of the geochemical pathfinders. Let's focus on where we are going to get either the next zone of mineralization or where we're going to extend known mineralization because we still feel like we're open to the south. 
We've still got the sandstone target, which is, I think it's even more compelling now. Uh, you know, funny situation with that whole 105, oh, sorry, 110, I think it was 110, uh, 110. We targeted, we, we collared the hole 25 meters on, on a line, 25 meters from a hole that had the thickest sequence of sandstone on Accio to date, 100 meters sandstone thickness. And we drilled this hole to be 25 meters away from it. We didn't hit sandstone at all. Nothing. Say, so how does that happen? Oh, really? How does that happen? The only way that happens is if you've got a structure that has offset everything. So we were originally chasing one structure. The, the idea was we were chasing one structure that controls a major fault in the area that controls that, that bounding sandstone that we knew about. And that's the one that looks mineralized. But now we've got this transverse fault that cuts across everything. So now you've got two potential faults that could be inter intersecting everything. And where where do you find the best mineralization typically in these systems is where you get cross-cutting faults and at that fault loci. So we've, I think we've got a pretty strong vector of where to target potential sandstone mineralization. I'm bullish on sandstone because it's, that's where you get your high grades, it's where you get your ultra high grades, your 1%, 5%, 20%. does add tonnage very quickly, which is why MacArthur River and Cigar Lake are the most lucrative mines in the world, the most valuable commodity mine of anything in the entire world by far. You can take the highest gold deposit out there, won't even won't even come close to MacArthur River or Cigar Lake in value. Tell me what the other mineralization is in if it's not in sandstone. The the mineralization is all in the basement rocks. We've got two basement hosts. We've got our typical metasedimentary rocks, which frequently hosts a number of of Athabasca uranium deposit, basement hosted Athabasca deposits. And we've got mineralization ho hosted in what we call a mafic or a mixed mafic unit, which is the first I have ever seen of it. Uh, it's a weird system, but in a way it's really good because like that's, that's in the pod seven area. Mineralization is very tight in there, which is good from a mining scenario, but also the rocks that are hosting it, even though they're altered, the rocks are so competent that if you needed an underground mining scenario, this, these are the perfect rock types for underground mining. You don't have to worry about these these uh, loose rocks everywhere that would that would um, impede any sort of stoke development. These are very competent rocks that you can easily mine under in an underground scenario. Not necessarily so good for. Um... Uh, open pit mining kind of kind of um, just, just because of, I presumably be that hard. Yeah, but in that sense too, they can also, given the layout of of the pods that we see, especially the near surface ones, pod one, and then you've got gap. Well, we'll call it a gap for now. You got pod one, then a gap, and then pod seven. The way those are laid out, as you're developing a pit, you can go boom, break. You can essentially mine everything cleanly for pod one. You can break off all of the the stuff in the middle. And then essentially just mine, mine pod seven the same way. Just have it all come down as a wall each time. It can be very clean. You know, you're, you're beneficiating your ores, you're mining it pretty well. Um, good, but um, thank you. Let's go back to the kind of the work plan. So review the results, look at the assays, look for the geochemical pathfinders. Um, what's that timetable, time frame look like? Good question. We do have a number of other things that we have on the go such as assessment report rating, but I would say by the end of, well, within six months, I do believe that we should have everything all, 
all in a nice working order that we can we can see what's happening with with our fluid systems or we could see how they're interacting with the rock where are they pointing us to so i'd feel comfortable that that six months well six months would be a i'd say a minimum there's a lot of data to work with really that's interesting so you've got q1 next year is six months and q2 is a, is, is a bit further out that much time to take take on board the assays the, the chemistry and 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 to kind of remodel the the, the structural model the, the, the structural the, models change so many times and that's we need to get that structural model done first and that will be the the foremost feature and that's going to be the toughest part i've i've modeled structures previously and i can tell you it's not a fun task and because everything is so dependent on knowing these structures that we feel like we have to get it right to really understand you know, we we've got a model in place we have a i'd call it more of a schematic model that makes sense but we haven't been able to properly apply it to the results that we see in the drill holes yet are you going to bring in um ex external um consultants to help with the the logging because it's such a crucial um, no we've job. we developed an in-house team we developed we hired on a lot of well not a lot but we hired on a few a few staff members last year that were i'd call them green very young in their very young in their careers to people who are right out of school and myself and cameron our vp we have been coaching them and teaching them along the way, developing their their path forward. Now that they are much stronger and have an idea of what is actually going on, they're the people who are who are building things out. So it is a little bit of a, a time frame here, but in the long run, it is definitely a necessity. The group aspect, the team aspect that we have, we are a very strong bunch of individuals, and I think that we are we're the right type of people who will put this together nicely. And if we don't like what we see, we will, you know, we can change things as is. And looking, I'm looking forward to what we can get done. And effectively, that means you're not going to do a winter drilling ca campaign. You're going to um, concentrate on the, the next summer's drilling campaign. Pretty well, yes. We're debating about doing winter winter drilling or winter exploration on another program or another project. Hook, because of where it is, and we, we crunched the numbers last year. We did drill helicopter support drilling last year. And it is more expensive to do that than in the summertime. So we'd, we'd like to keep our costs down. We know that we are, we know that we don't have to do as large scale drilling as we did in 2022. So we can come back and do a similar size program as we did this year and next summer. So there's, there's, although there's a rush, there's not a huge rush. And there are other things that, that we do have to investigate and tackle um, throughout, throughout this meantime as well. Um, what's the cash position? But there are we we've got we've got three other main projects: Bear, Catharsis, Shadow, and we're hoping that at least one of those can be drill ready for for the winter time. We drilled Catharsis this winter, so that's a that is a possibility to potentially move forward with Catharsis in winter 2024 as well. Just do a small program there. Catharsis would be in good standing for quite a while. That we don't have to do any work on it, so. Again, there's there's the question that remains. As the market the market still hasn't fully come back, like there's a lot more interest now. And we do see yeah, the producers like Cameco, they're they're taking off. You know, their their share price has been been doing wonderful. The juniors not so much. The juniors have seen the leg up, but we're quite stable and and the uprun's a little bit more muted. When that market comes back though, and the funding is 
funding is there, then we've got, you know, then we've got excellent reason to go out and continuously drill throughout the winter and drill throughout the summer. Um, remind me what your cash position is, please. Our cash position, we've got about, was it? Three million, three million dollars in flow through remaining, and about four million dollars in working capital. And our our flow through is not due until the end of next year, so we're we've got a lot of time to to spend on that or to spend that. Okay, good, good. And w- when are we going to see? Um, the, I mean, you you spoke about the kind of um review results and put assays out, but I think that would that's going to be a key thing now, isn't it? To kind of to hang some numbers on the back of the what you the observations through. Uh, you've seen through the drilling in the summer. So uh, have you got a kind of a timeline on actually publishing assay results rather than just kind of, uh, rather than the oh, complete sure. model? That's all. I don't have a timeline, but as soon as they come in, I do believe that we have our first batch, just neither myself nor Cameron have had time to look at them yet. So we're, that is the next big thing. So it's, so it's imminent. So, so I mean, you're talking over the Pretty next well. weeks and a couple of months. Yeah. You, you, um, I would say, I would, I would like to believe that we would have all the results back within the next two months. Okay. But don't quote go. me on that. Things happen. No, the things do happen, but um, it's, it, it's good to just kind of understand a kind of a ballpark what you're, what you're looking to do. What do you think is going to be required to get the junior sector moving again? Does, is it down to company-specific drill results? Good question. Very good question. I think it's more macro market that will, that will move things. There are some companies that are putting out excellent results that I think should be more valued or should be valued higher. Um, and I'll throw baseload in there. I obviously think we're one of the best, I think we've got one of the best discoveries in the uranium space. F3, those results that they've been, been pumping out have been absolutely phenomenal grades. And, you know, I, I don't think the market is giving them the appreciation that they deserve. So what is it going to take? I think just maybe a higher spot price because that's what, that's what people seem to focus on. Now, since since the spot price has moved above sixty dollars, I'm seeing talk of the uranium markets in in different media formats now, like CNN starting covered, uh, Financial Times. You're seeing it more prominently. So as as those media outlets provide more coverage to the emerging uranium market, then I think investors will start looking at it more seriously and hopefully start flocking back into it. So it's still going to take a little bit of time, but I think that we are on that right path for the investment community to start you know, really biting into it and, and getting a good chunk of companies out there. And now is the time. While a lot of companies are still at pretty low prices and depressed, this thing takes off. You could be looking at some pretty significant gains from a number of companies. And that's this is definitely the time when when people should be investing in uranium. Um, well, there we go. We hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, it, it certainly feels as if there's uh, pent-up uh, energy in the uranium space, um, to coin a phrase. Um, it feels much more real this time than it did in 2020, 2021, when the uranium price was um, much lower. I think it was still in kind of the 30s, 40s. Um, and the 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 equities were effectively pricing in, you know, uranium price of 140 dollars per pound, but it really feels as if there's the the um, underlying demand now from the utilities to um, warrant this kind of the steady. You can just, it's almost that kind of steady drumbeat of the spot price, which is just kind of it's not quick, 
but it just it just ratchets up keeps just ratcheting up and, and as you said you know, the, the, the generalist um, news story is being covered the the, the generalist um, 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 mainstream media are beginning to pick up on it and I think the generalist investors are now beginning to look at uranium as well and to your point about 2021 that it felt like a false start it, and and it did it a lot of that was driven by by spot buying off the the open market buying off the spot market and and sequestering a lot of that know from the marketplace what's driving the price now are the actual utilities predominantly they are the ones and that's that is what kickstarts your your uranium price from that's what kickstarts this market when the utilities come back in and start buying then you know that your you know your your demand is coming to the table for their supply and if there's a supply shortage if there's a supply shortage that kind of looks like it is especially at the immediate term then you can have backlogs and everything just leads to another and your you know typical demand supply demand scenario your price will go up more price volatility but it's your job really it's your responsibility to deliver good exploration results so um uh, good luck with that over the coming months oh we don't need luck we know we've already got it when you've got when you've got near surface mineralization that really there's nothing better than that that is absolutely phenomenal so we're happy with that. We know, based on the radioactivity results, we know we know we're going to have good results. Oh, it's there; they'll be quite on par with what we've seen previously, which we really like. I don't think the market understands grades between 0.1 and 0.3 or anything like that. There, when people talk about Athabasca, all they all they see are these outrageous numbers: one percent, five percent, and they don't realize that a lot of those deposits don't move forward because it's not about great all the time it's not even about size all the time it's about engineering issues and mineability Accua has all the makings of a global mining scenario let's just put that in perspective because a um, grade of 0.1 to 0.3 is 1000 ppm to 3000 ppm and when one looks around the world at other open pit mines the grades are often um you know 300 100 to 1000 yeah 100 to 500 yeah what, what was the average grade grade of Ranger? 0.2% U308. What are the average grade of a lot of the American mines that were that were mining in the previous cycle? 0.1s, 0.2s. What were the average grades of some of the open pit mines up in northern Saskatchewan? 0.2s, 0.3s. We're seeing the same grades as as operations that have as mining operations that have previously been operable in in good good cycles. The only difference is we're shallow. We are very shallow to start with higher grades to start. Bring it on. James, go get him. Bring it on. Thanks, Merlin. Always a pleasure.